Welcome to the Mar Experience. My name is Matt Shebb. In this episode, I have a conversation with Karen B., who came into Mar as a 22-year-old. She talks with me about the difficulties of living in a therapeutic community and the growth that that facilitated for her here at Mar. Give us a little bit of background in terms of what was going on in your life kind of leading up to that. To that sure. Point. I was in college and, well, I use that term loosely. I was in and out of college. Mm-hmm. So um, I was in school at Vanderbilt briefly for vocal performance. Okay. realized that college is a good way to drink a lot. So um, moved to a different college for the guy I was dating, basically. So... Uh, and it kind of all went downhill from there. I was at UK, which is in Lexington, Kentucky Mm -hmm. and, uh, in and out, I was elementary education major for a little bit and then a theater major. And as a theater major, I found that when I was drinking, uh, those were the days my professors really appreciated my strong emotional acting. I actually worked for the theater department, sort of disappeared from my job, disappeared from school, didn't mm-hmm. re-enroll, drank all day every day, uh, was dating someone who was abusive, and eventually that all came to a head, and... Um, shortly thereafter, I was suicidal. I think I was suicidal through a lot of being in college, actually. And um, when I was drinking, because mm-hmm. uh, it let me just be the victim of everything. Yeah. Um, so that was really the turning point was um, getting sent to the hospital and Um, being in the ER for several hours and my parents drove up from Atlanta to Lexington in like five and a half or six hours. So needless to say, they raced to Lexington and uh, spent a week just basically monitoring me, making sure that somebody was next to me at all times until I could get into Mar. November 25th, So November 18th was the last time that I was just like blackout drunk. That was when I got sent to the hospital and exactly one week later I was... Walking into Mar and terrified. So your sobriety date is November 18th? Actually, that's a funny story. Okay. <laughs> um, I actually, there's this drink called kombucha. Uh-huh. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of controversial in AA. Right. Uh-huh. Some people don't think it's a problem to drink yeah, it. Yeah. Some people do. Right. Um, so I made the decision to actually change my date to June 22nd, 2014. Okay, gotcha. And soon after, the counselors were like, yeah, we wouldn't have made you change it. Um, but some of it just had to do with that that addict behavior. So the, your parents were with you at the hospital up until you, you came here. Mm-hmm. What was going through your mind when you were kind of going through the process of checking in to Mars? I, I think I was still just feeling a fog. Mm-hmm. I think... I didn't understand what was happening. Uh, The word rehab did not compute in my mind. I didn't know what that meant yet. Mm -hmm. So Rita is the... (laughs) She's the best. She's the best. Yeah. She is the beautiful light that checks you in. Uh, Yeah. It's all your paperwork going. So she opened her little window uh, to her desk area and said, come on back. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, I said, through that door? It says employees only. And she said, yes, through that door. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I was just, I think I was just finally defeated enough to just 
I knew I had no clue what was going on. Right. So I literally asked about everything. Like, I didn't even want to walk through the door. So had you wrapped your mind around the fact that you're going to be there for at least 90 days yet? Or was that still kind of, was it, was that information still kind of coming in in pieces? Like, I just kind of thought, well, this will be a nice, like, break from life. Mm -hmm. I can shut the world out. Yeah. I felt like I, I, I don't think I could wrap my head around 90 days. I couldn't wrap my head around 24 hours. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. couldn't. Um, really what happened for me is about three days into being there, I had a total, complete awareness of reality and just broke down crying. And actually went from like my little apartment over to the um, apartment next to mine that was in my community because they're separated. Um, and I went over there to a couple of the girls that I noticed I felt safe around. And I just literally, they, they even have mentioned it since because it was that big of a moment, I guess. I just sat in the floor next to the back door and just crying. And I said, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm 22 and I'm in rehab. Like that was when it clicked for me. It took a few days. How would you describe the emotion? Fear and relief, both. Okay. I think, I, I think it was a mix of future, tr like future tripping and fear, um, disappoint, shame, disappointment, um, and just powerless. Mm -hmm. Oh Yeah. That word. Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, just powerlessness. Yeah, just right. really realized. I think I, I think I had still sort of been wearing a mask mm -hmm. the first couple days. Like, yeah, but I'm a theater major and I do these things and I'm mm -hmm. good at this. And, and um, the mask came just ripping off. Wow. You know, just I realized I, I'm like... I'm either going to be hopeless and helpless or I'm going to have to do something while I'm here. What What was it that, was there anything that triggered that or was it just like an interaction with a counselor or, or your community members? I think I was working on my life story. I think. I'm pretty sure. They give you that within a very short time span of get, getting there. They give you that assignment. So that brings up a lot of stuff. Or, or before you got to Mar, had rehab ever come up with your parents or treatment or how, and how much did they know? Kind of paint a picture for us of that. So my grandfather uh, was an alcoholic mm -hmm. and he was in recovery for 33 years when he died. So my mom was the child of an alcoholic mm. her most of her life. So she, I think, saw a lot of the signs and, mm -hmm. um, one of the Thanksgivings we spent together right before the Thanksgiving before that, mm -hmm. because I spent Thanksgiving in rehab that year. Mm. <laughs> um, the Thanksgiving before that, in fact, like my family had, we'd all dr gotten drunk together. Mm -hmm. My parents right. and my brother. And I thought, wow, okay, yeah. this is good. We're right. good. I yeah. got this. Um, and then, so that hospital trip was just kind of like a slam into the reality of, I can't do this anymore. In the hospital, I, I kind of think I thought everybody was exaggerating a little bit. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then the psychologist or whoever it was that came in to 
evaluate. He came in and started asking questions, and I started, and God, I guess, stepped in. My higher power, something stepped in and made me be honest Um, because my mom was sitting right there. And for some reason, I answered him honestly all his questions about how much I drank, about how often I drank. And then another friend of mine had sat me down, I guess, a year and a half before that. And he said, I really want to tell you a story about my mom. Uh And I said, okay. And uh, he told me this really just heartbreaking story about growing up with his mom being a drunk. Uh And... He had told me several times over the course of our friendship how much I reminded him of his mom, how much he loved that about me. And when he told me the story, I was like, but you told me I remind you of your mom. And he said, yeah, and she drank herself to death. Wow. So what were your thoughts when people presented you with information like that? I, I think I just tried to shove it down. All that stuff, it seems like it just all kind of came on you really suddenly. It was mm-hmm. like, like this realization of, wow, what has my life come to? Um, and the, the extent that the disease had kind of affected you. Um, so then, so you have that moment you and you, you have a good bonding moment with some, some of the community, uh, women in the community. What, what's like that light going forward now, not, you know, that mask coming off and not knowing who you are. This particular young woman had had some experiences and said to me, Karen, you don't have to do what I did. I've been to three different rehabs and you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Uh You can get it here. She said, you can get it anywhere. You can walk into AA and figure it out. You know, like, listen to what they have to say and do the suggestions but you're blessed you're blessed that somehow you got to be here at mar with this treatment team was there some hope coming in when you were hearing that yeah yeah and so i think that's part of why i was like okay just tell me what to do i i just i wanted to heal and I had had a lot of experiences in my life and I would tell people about it and they would say, me too. Or they would say, and we don't have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Or a counselor would say, tell me more instead of shut up, Karen. I don't want to hear about it. Right. And I just kept having these little experiences where I was not alone. What was the community aspect of it like? Can you describe that a little bit? One of the things the counselors say is, like, it's never about the mustard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I'm just so frustrated with Barbara Ann because she keeps using all the mustard or something when we can easily go to the store and get more mustard, it's probably not about that. Um but we're not getting to the bottom of anything. We just want to keep arguing about how cookies or mustard or whatever the carpet right. or something, uh, then they'll put you on what's called community buddy, which forces some communication because you are attached at the hip from the moment you wake up until curfew. And everything you do, you have to be with your entire community. So, What Matt Irwin often says, and I like how he says it, it's like at Mar, we treat the community and that like the staff treats the community and the community treats the individual. 
So, yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. And I think that that's exactly why it works. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm forced to help you so that we can move forward, um, then I have to dig somewhere deeper inside myself, too. And maybe you're going to have to be a little more vulnerable because that's part of what got us here in the first place is, you know, maybe me being selfish and you not being vulnerable or something along those lines. But if I'm just punished for being selfish, then Mm -hmm. everyone's like, oh, okay, it's Karen's fault. Right, right, yeah. And then it's, yeah, the the kind of difference, I could see how that would make such a big difference rather than having like, okay, this is Karen's treatment plan and we're going to treat Karen for her where you're – you're you're having to work all that out while you're trying to help other people that just adds a whole nother whole nother dimension to to this and and the fact that what you were saying about community too all those mirrors you can't get away from treatment here when right you're you're, so for while you're here even when you're at home watching tv or at the residence watching tv you're in treatment because you you have to confront like i don't really want to watch or whatever it may be yes oh man i yeah that's exactly right we i remember so vividly there was some sort of i'm a theater nerd Uh yeah so there was some sort of disney movies like just playing like one after the other and it was like a Saturday morning or something and I was just down to watch Disney movies or what whatever it was maybe it was a Saturday evening and I remember just frustrating the heck out of some girl because she said it was like living with a three-year-old or something <laughs> and I remember it was a huge yeah, growth for me because sure. I said to her well I never request to watch anything I specifically don't ever make a comment about the shows uh-huh. that you watch because when you're watching those shows, I don't have anything else I want to watch. And I have the ability to go upstairs and do my reading or my writing right? or sit right here and do it. Uh-huh. And I often do. Uh-huh. So I'd appreciate if you would give me the same respect. Wow. And never in my life had I ever told somebody anything like that. Wow. And it was because... Um, in a community, you can either communicate or grow some resentments. Mm-hmm. And I was so tired of resenting everybody. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have the alcohol at that point or anything else to soothe those resentments anymore. Right. Yeah. What? So that sounds like a pivotal moment for you. Are there any other ones like that where you, you go back and you think, when they were happening, you were thinking this might actually work. I might actually be getting better and I might be able to stay sober once I leave this place. Uh, My favorite moments were living in three quarters. Oh yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. What's three quarters? So you're still in treatment. You're still going to, you're still incorporated in a community and very strict rules are still involved. Uh, But you are beginning to take steps towards moving back into the real world, so mm-hmm. to speak. Uh, still no talking to boys yeah. unless you have been specifically given permission. Yeah, yeah. No dating or anything like that, mm-hmm. but um, more freedom to work different hours and things like that. Okay. Um, How would you summarize 
So August 2015 till now, what has your life been like since then, post-Mar? I went to school to become a yoga instructor, and I had been dreaming about that for, you know, while I was drinking, I would jokingly say I'll never be trusted to teach a yoga class. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) Um, here you are doing it. Here I am. I'm about to finish my second um, like certification on that. Uh So I'll be what's called like 500 hours certified. So, um, which is just, you know, but, but now that's what I do with my time. Mm -hmm. I, I teach yoga and I get to, I get to teach at a treatment center. I have the immense pleasure of getting to hold space for people and help them to heal. And it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me. Um, But I'm really blessed. I've had the blessing of having family members who are also in recovery. Mm. And um, I get to reach out to, like I said, those women that I was in treatment with, other women that I've created relationships with in the rooms. And family members Mm -hmm. so when I go visit my family I still don't feel alone Mm. I get to go to a meeting with family members yeah who the heck gets that you know I I was engaged for a while Mm -hmm. and I recently broke off the engagement Mm. and um and it was like a god thing it was like god was just like tapping on my shoulder this isn't this isn't this isn't it this isn't Mm -hmm. it you don't need to be here you don't need to be here and um and I I chose me over over somebody else, and that's a huge deal. I didn't just want to, like, risk it all um, to stay in a relationship when I knew in my gut this just isn't where I need to be. And I didn't have to have all kinds of reasons. I didn't have to have a list of whys, and I didn't have to feel like I'm running And I have never felt so much immense love from my community of women. Because now, see, I do have a community. (laughs) Uh Right, yeah, yeah. So I've built my own community Uh um, outside of, I learned that from Mar. Right. You know, that you you need to have people to be your mirrors, to Mm -hmm. show you the truths that you don't want to look at. And so my... My women have loved me through it and supported me in ways that I never thought I deserved. So my life since leaving Mara has been filled with some pain, but always, every single time there's something painful, every single time there's love on the other side. Every painful experience. Like what if every single time I was going through something, I was like, yes, God has something better. Oh my gosh, wow. there's something better, you know? Because often we're just so focused on what's going wrong right now mm-hmm. or what we perceive to be wrong going on in our lives. And so now I just try to live like that mm-hmm. a lot. And it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. But that's how I feel. It's some of the women in my like aftercare group have told me, and they're like, Every time we share something, we're like waiting for you because we know you're going to bring in a higher power. Uh-huh. We can talk about <laughs> <Right>. God. 
<laughs> and I was like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's awesome. One of the things that I talked to my fiance, my ex-fiance about, we were having some conversation and I said, yeah, but my spiritual life, like that is what's key for me. And if that is not top priority for you, this is not going to work. Oh. And he, And he said something about, yeah, you make it really obvious <laughs> that that's most important. <laughs> and I think he thought it was an insult, and I said, thank you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just really, like, I genuinely believe the universe has got something good on the edge of every fear, pain, growth. There's something good on the other side. And, or at least that's been my experience. And it may not be just earth shattering, but for me, there's something to grow. And I'm a really short person, so any opportunity for growth is good. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, That's great stuff. Um, that helps me just hearing you say that. So thanks. I read your, your story here. You're still involved in Mar, right? You still come back and... What do you so what does that look like your involvement now with with Mar as an alum? I still am in aftercare. Mm-hmm. And that's one night a week for an hour. We um that's what I talked about in there, you know, like laughing and crying mm-hmm. together or something like that. Um it's an opportunity for halfway three quarters and alumni to be in a group together with a counselor present and share what's going on and get some experience, strength and hope and learn from each other. Mm-hmm. So I need to be there as much as anybody else because I learn, you know, we hear all the time, like if you don't get away from the basics, you don't have to get back to the basics. Mm-hmm. And for me, it keeps me kind of in the basics yeah. You know, if if I needed to be writing a bunch of stuff down when I was in Mar, like why am I not writing now? Mm-hmm. You know, what what makes me I mean, I may need to be writing and journaling and doing step work for the rest of my life and if that's the case, oh well. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll just have to keep doing it. Thanks for listening to the Mar experience. We'll be coming out with new episodes every month, so stay tuned. If you'd like to be involved or give us feedback regarding the podcast, you can email us at podcast at marinc.org. And if you want to stay connected with what's going on at Mar, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And we'll see you next time.